Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, this is Johnny, and welcome to another episode of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Uh, I am with three very special guests from Ukraine. You want to quickly introduce yourselves? Right, yes. Uh, so my name is Bogdan. I'm a nuclear engineer, and um, in the last 10 years, I've been living in uh, several European countries. Uh, so yeah, I I love Europe. I love traveling uh, in within within the European Union, within the larger European civilization, uh, including, you know, North America, Australia, New Zealand. So I'm a big fan of this part of the world. All right, and Slava? Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Slava, and I'm a molecular biologist by uh, education. I'm also working in the same field, so I'm working in a research institute uh, on some biotechnology um, stuff, yeah. Okay, cool. And Pablo? Yeah, name's Pablo. I'm chemist. For the last 10 years, I've been living in different countries, mainly in Europe, but also had some chance to travel to North America, um, also in Europe. So a bunch of countries have a bunch of t-shirts from different cities, uh, mainly from one of the cafes chain with the city's names on them <laughs> you know i was gathering this um souvenir stuff from different places you know actually the three of you are very unique because in my my time in ukraine i, I would say the majority of people that i met had never even traveled outside of the country you know a lot of people didn't have an international passport um you know or if they did maybe they've been you know to poland once or something uh or maybe to russia or something but uh do you feel like now that um, people can't travel, they, they they feel like, wow, I I wish I I would have traveled more. Well, me personally, I started traveling before it became the mainstream in Ukraine, right? So, the first time I left the country was in 2010. So back then, it was still a little bit more difficult. You needed to get a visa for uh, to go everywhere so the ukrainian passport wasn't as powerful as it is now uh because now yeah i mean i for example you still need a visa to go to the us for example but then uh, most of the countries you can travel without the visa but even to go to the us um you just uh, i got a 10-year visa and it was really pain painless and super fast um, and now you can go to the U.S. anytime within these 10 years. So it became way more, um, it's, it became easier. But for me personally, it was uh, much more about, uh, you know, internal urge to sort of discover how different people do things differently. That was really the main motivation. Um, that That's really sort of my personal motivation. I guess different people have different 
reasons for traveling. Yeah, actually, I think that like a for example, really popular restaurant in Kiev. Um, there's a chain of Asian restaurants called like Privet Kataiski, Privet Taiski, Privet Vietnam or something. Like, hello Th- Thailand, hello China, hello Vietnam, and the start the the founder of it you know, basically was traveling throughout Asia and then decided he wanted to bring these flavors back to Ukraine. And now, you know, I would say there's more Asian food, you know, there's, there's always been sushi, but uh, I think, you know, five years ago when I first went to Ukraine, like it, it, it didn't really have um, things besides like shawarma, you know, that was like the one exotic food. Uh, but p- since people started you know, traveling more in the last few years, I feel like they brought in a lot more of that culture back to Ukraine. You know, have you, have you guys felt a big difference from, you know, let's say 10 years ago and, until, uh, you know, when travel started opening up more? Yeah, well, I can say from my personal perspective, uh, exactly 10 years ago, I went to Italy and there was, you know, this very extremely nice Mediterranean food culture there developed and they were asking me about coffee the way we drink coffee in ukraine or the way we eat in ukraine what kind of pastas do we eat and back in the day i couldn't find myself what to answer because we wouldn't eat like the italian style of pasta it was probably just very new coming thing and the coffee well just to admit like i was drinking jacob's or nescafe all, all every morning and it was like a trashy coffee and they were looking at me like oh no probably you're not doing some you're not doing it right, not the way you should be doing. But every time I was coming back for vacation or for some period to stay in Ukraine, I was noticing the significant increase in the quality, in the variety of the foods, uh, especially with like Italian focus. I saw the Italian foods in, in the shops. I saw uh, Italian pastas like carbonara or pesto. In, in restaurants and especially coffee, like all these um, car vehicle based coffee makers on the streets, they really increased like overall level of the quality of the coffee in the in in the city. You know, if you know what I'm what, I, what I'm talking about, one hundred percent. Because actually, when I was living in Thailand in, in Chiang Mai um, from let's say 2012 to 2018. I really loved the our coffee shop culture there. It was, you know, these kind of Australian style hipster, you know, coffee shops uh, where you can sit the whole day and bring your laptop and do work and kind of just hang out. And first, it was really good quality coffee, um, and it was uh, roasted, you know, locally or even in the in the shop. And when I first went to Ukraine in 2016, it didn't exist. There was really just Aroma Kava, which is, you know, this, you know, really terrible chain of uh, cheap coffee kind of like um worse than starbucks you know worse than dunkin donuts um and it wasn't until like two or three years later that all these kind of local small you know hipster coffee shops started to pop up and now they're literally everywhere i mean i i think there's more cool coffee shops in ukraine than there are in australia uh now you know or definitely per square mile in the u.s 
And I would like to add about tea because everyone is talking about coffee and varieties of coffee. I am I'm a big fan of tea, uh, like good quality green Chinese tea, for example. So I always compare countries, restaurants on this uh, regard. And in Europe, for example, you cannot uh, go to a random restaurant or, uh, or a coffee cafe and ask a nice uh, tea. It's always bag of Lipton or something, maybe more advanced, but still it's a bag of tea. While in Ukraine, you can get uh, like a leaf leaves of tea uh, properly made that's my observation and improvement i think that was actually one complaint i had when i was in sri lanka where they grow tea this famous sri lankan tea i went all the way to the uh, tea plantation where they're you know picking the teas and they're drying it and growing it uh then i went to you know um you know these hotel i was staying in these nice hotels it was like a, even a five-star hotel next to this plantation in this plantation town and when I ordered uh, tea, they gave it to me in a bag, you know, and I was like, what was the point of me coming here? <laughs> like, I, I could I could have had this Dima tea in a, in a bag, you know, anywhere. I could have had it, you know, in some small town somewhere, like serve this in a pot, please. But you're right. In Ukraine, not only do they have nice, um, you know, uh, nice pots of, 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 of loose leaf tea, but also they have these special teas. Uh, my favorite is one I can't can't pronounce. Uh, Oblipetinska. Hmm. Oblipeka. Uh, mm-hmm. Oblipeka. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So for the Americans and pretty much everyone in the world who, who's never heard of it, it's sea buckthorn, which is also something we never heard of. But if you look it up, it's <laughs> kind of a, a orange berry thing. But when they make it, they'll make it with like citrus and mint and maybe some cinnamon and all these other things. And it becomes this really delicious, you know, this homemade special tea that I have never seen anywhere outside of Ukraine. And and it's really amazing. Absolutely. I can add about, you know, Ukrainians um, bringing some pieces of culture uh, while traveling. I think it's a thing. Ukrainians are quite curious. And whenever they are traveling, they see some nice things and they try to understand. Um, I can tell that I brought my mom to Belgium and the Netherlands uh, in, I don't remember, maybe around 2016. So we traveled about uh, uh, lowlands. And so she brought two things that she liked a lot. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but she bought lots of tulips of different kinds of tulips we were in the Netherlands. And, you know, she saw all of those nice tulips. And of course, the first thing she did, she went to a local um, local store where you can buy all different breeds of tulips. So, of course, she just stuck on tulips as much as possible and then um waffles so she she liked the waffles and then she started you know making waffles back home um and this is an example of so now now her garden is full of different tulips of course there are there used to be tulips in ukraine as long as i can recall but you know she saw a slightly different breeds and a slightly different color color patterns and and she loved it and she wanted to bring it back home so it's it's an example of uh, people seeing nice things and changing culture domestically yeah actually another example is i went to paris uh, pretty recently a few months ago and i was dreaming about having a cup of you know french coffee and a croissant fresh baked croissant and i thought for sure this is going to be the best in the whole world it's going to be significantly you know better than 
uh, some something I could have in Ukraine, and it was very good. You know, I went to many. You know, I went to probably twenty or thirty different bakeries uh, just because I really like um, Parisian bakeries, and actually, uh, it was pretty cheap to to buy a fresh croissant and a cup of coffee, and I. Th- I immediately thought, you know, actually, this is very similar to what I have in Ukraine. <laughs> and it wasn't until I came back a week later, I was at this random coffee shop, just a, a you know, single owner, single location uh, coffee shop that was part um, florist, you know, where you can buy flowers and part coffee shop. And I smelled them baking uh, croissants. And I realized, and I, and I realized first, you know, the, the coffee, in Ukraine is just as good, or if not better, than most places uh, uh, in in France, and the croissant was just as good, and it was the same price. And I thought, you know, the fact that I can get a, a croissant, a French croissant, in Kiev, that is just as good, and actually even in Kharkiv, that's just as good as the best bakeries I found in Paris. It, it's really showing um, kind of the level of 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 food quality that has been brought back to to Ukraine because six years ago in 2016 that didn't exist. You know it, the the Ukrainian food has always been extremely tasty, but international food you know six years ago was not the same uh, level and quality than uh, it has been the last few years. And I also want to add, I don't know if you if you share the same opinion, but. I have an impression that Ukrainian restaurant culture is truly client-oriented, while, for example, in Western Europe, I would call it a motto or logo, you have to wait. I don't know. That's my impression in general. Uh, Do you guys share this? I mean, the funny thing about uh, service in Ukraine is it's either really, really terrible or really, really good. (laughs) There's like almost nothing in between. Uh, And six years ago, it was more of the leftover Soviet mentality where, you know, they, they, nobody cared about you. You walk in and say like, you know, what do you want you know, eat to get out. But in the last few years, I realized it's a complete shift where places like the service became better than in Europe and better than actually in the U S in a sense where I went uh, to San Francisco to visit my parents uh, last January and I, I had a very direct comparison of the service I get in, in Ukraine, especially in Kiev, than in San Francisco. I realized that uh, in San Francisco, they come up to you more and they ask, is everything okay? They refill your water. Um, they ask you, how's the food? But actually, it was annoying. It was so like I was tr- trying to have a conversation with my parents because I didn't see them for a long time. And Every two minutes, somebody would come up to me, interrupt our conversation, and ask us, "How was your food? Oh, you know, would you like some more? You know, this? Would you like some more?" What? I'm like, "Like, listen, like everything's okay. If I need something, I'll I'll look at you, or I'll raise my hand, or something, you know." And in Ukraine, what I like is if you need something, you know, especially at the, you know, the more modern restaurants, the restaurants that opened the last few years, not the old, you know. Um, I would call the leftover Soviet ones, but the new modern Ukrainian or Western uh, style restaurants, they're always there. If you need something, you just need to look at them or you can just, you know, kind of raise a finger or something. And the service in that sense is incredible. 
but they also never bother you. And also they don't expect you to stop your conversation, you know, with your parents that you haven't seen in two years to look at them and say, thank you. Every time they give you a fork, you know, they just, it's, and they don't consider it rude. If you, you know, if you ignore them while in the U S if you don't stop everything and thank them every time they come to your table, you know, then you actually, it's, it's considered rude. Really? And yeah, I probably have the same impression. I've been several times to Houston, been to several places there. And I, I, and I found, I found it pretty annoying that the thing what you're saying. And at the end of the day, I sort of like have this feeling that they are trying to earn their tips mm. in a way because yeah. the tipping culture in, in America is like so strong, it stays strong. Like people pay like 20% of their uh bill just for tips and they just want to make it feel earned you know exactly and uh, actually even that has creeped up a lot i remember when i was growing up in the us you know 10 or 15 percent was very normal to tip and then it became 18 and then 20 and then now some places want 25 percent uh or you know or even more it's it's really gone uh insane especially because now they expect you to tip for a takeaway coffee or if you buy like you know a bottle of water or something like they'll, they'll hand you this machine that has the options 18 percent, 22 percent, or 26 percent to tip and i'm thinking why am i tipping on a, a takeaway bottle of water you know it's like it's it's ridiculous um and unfortunately ukraine is slowly going towards that as well where you know before it was you know if either not expected at all and if you gave even loose change people you know it, it would be like an like a acceptable you know nice nice thing to do and if you give 10 percent, people actually be very happy but now especially with the apps i've noticed that there's now options for you know 10 uh, is the lowest option now they have like you know 14 percent or 16 percent or 18 percent and it's just too easy for them to slowly bump that up uh higher and higher yeah, I'm against the tipping culture. I don't think it's a good way to go. So, and um, in, in the US, I find it quite annoying, especially in Los Angeles. Um, I have an impression that all the waitresses are hitting on you. They are all sort of flirting with you. They're sort of all nice to you. I remember, um, yeah, the uh, one waitress is. Uh, came to me and she was like smiling and she started a conversation by saying mm, I like your shoes and the thing is I do have nice shoes and I thought that she was genuine about you know liking my shoes but actually all she wanted is just to sort of flirt a bit and for me to feel like uh, tipping her then so th th this is this is not okay I guess if you know it's almost like a predatory behavior when you use uh but how you you are tricking men into uh giving giving you your their money this is unacceptable <laughs> yeah that's one thing i actually uh it, it was very hard to get used to when i first moved to ukraine is nobody's smiling at you nobody's being uh overly friendly just to be friendly and in the beginning, it felt very cold. It felt very lonely, even where you thought, you know what? Nobody's smiling at me. Nobody's saying hello to me. Nobody's, um, you know, starting a conversation with me while I'm waiting in line uh, to buy something. But 
after some time, I realized I don't need these uh, trivial kind of fake uh, conversations. I'd rather know that if someone's talking to me, that actually they generally do like my shoes or they generally are interested in uh, in talking to me. You know, uh, if somebody says, hey, let's uh, meet for a coffee sometime, they actually really mean let's meet for coffee sometime versus in the US, it could mean or often it means uh, I never want to see you again, but here's my phone number anyways. Please waste your time um, or trying to arrange something and I just will n- not respond. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, probably the same impression, like going to US, uh, to Houston, they were like, extremely often asking, how are you doing? And at a certain point, they realized that's just the way to say hello, asking how are you doing? Instead of saying hello, they're asking, how are you doing? And at the very beginning, like first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, yeah, I probably need to answer. But no, but I didn't have this uh, a time slot to answer because they didn't don't let me to to answer they just continue with their matter whatever is that whether i'm in in the supermarket or i'm uh, i don't know meeting someone at the the bar or something yeah how are you doing just the way to say hello Uh, probably a bit strange but that's the way you code your message into the words yeah it took me a long time to break these habits because i caught myself doing the same thing in the beginning i would say like you know um you know like you know cocktail and i realized like the person you know um you know selling me a cup of coffee like they they don't have time to tell me you know how's their day and what's how's business going how how's life going because there's people online you know and uh by me asking it kind of puts them in a uncomfortable situation <laughs> where they need to answer this complete stranger um and i i've I remember just catching myself a few times saying like, Johnny, like just stop uh, asking people, you know, how are you? If you don't really want to know the answer or stop being polite just to be polite, you know, and I actually have friends um, who, who traveled to Ukraine or have been there that they will, you know, put themselves in these awkward situations where they agree to meet with someone or do something that they, they don't want to do. And I would explain to them, I said, you know, actually you're not, being polite by leading them on you're actually making both your lives harder you know first you don't want to you don't, you actually don't want to do whatever you agree to and now you think you make that person think that uh you do it's your fault for making you know for not being uh, a man about it being uh, honest and this is one thing i really liked about ukraine is uh, it's taught me how to be more straightforward uh with what i want and what i don't want you know, and, and not to be afraid to to say it. I would probably have the same impression about Italy. I, I lived there for quite some time. And very often when you were asking people to get out, um, maybe they would not tell you uh, exactly no, but they would say, oh yeah, I need to think about it. You know, like I need to see what I have, what I have there. Hoping that this conversation never will pop up again like you you will probably hesitate to bring up the same the same topic again. Like if they don't answer you right away, it means no. Yeah. It's probably like some way in between like agreeing to everything and like disagreeing. Yeah. So and you know, on the topic of of traveling, uh it must be hard. I mean I, I feel very fortunate that 
uh, I have a U.S. passport, so I can leave, uh, you know, Ukraine anytime. And actually, I've been on a few trips uh, out since the war. Uh, but I also, th- I'm also happy that they didn't let the men out because not only to, you know, um, you know, to be conscripted, conscripted if they need more people, but also it gives people a reason to go back to Ukraine. You know, all the women and, and children, if they left with their husbands or their brothers or their boyfriends, uh, I don't think they would have a reason to go back to Ukraine, even if the war ended tomorrow, you know, especially if they got a new job and a new apartment and a new life in the West. Um, But it must be hard. Like when you see, you know, someone's Instagram or something, and it looks like they're just uh, traveling and having fun. And meanwhile, you know, you're stuck and you, you can't leave. Like, how does that feel for you guys? Well, to me personally, I'm living in Brussels like for two years. I've been back home shortly before war started. And well, I cannot judge like for, for the people who stay in Ukraine, who fight in Ukraine, or who are just simply blocked in Ukraine and cannot travel. But well, from my perspective, everybody should feel comfortable uh, at the place where where they are. Um at least find find some means to be happy in any given situation. Find some find some resort just to accept this reality. Like yeah, now I cannot get out. Uh, my family is out, but what can I do to make at least myself not to feel miserable? Uh, maybe doing something useful. Maybe working more. Maybe learning something new. Or if it were like those people are doing the, the most important things probably in all of the countries so yeah and for people for people traveling and for people i know you know just posting um all these noisy parties in europe um i don't know like it i, I i'm not the one to judge I'm, I'm not going for parties to admit i try to volunteer i try to join the manifestations when it's possible and trying to donate uh, to the good causes and having parties yeah it's, it's good to have party and everybody needs to have uh, some relaxation but you're relaxing after doing something do something and then throw a party and that is actually deserved if you're just conducting this kind of lifestyle only partying only drinking doing stuff probably you're not the best person you're not doing the right the right the rightest thing things uh, in the world yeah i, I can definitely see that so uh on the flip side i also see a lot of russians who are traveling and there there's so many of them in thailand for example in bali and they look like they're just you know having uh the best time of their life you know uh, especially all these men who who have left uh i used to feel I used to hate, like really hate them uh, when I saw that. I thought, you know, I wish uh, these countries would just deport all of them back to uh, back to Russia. But at the same time, I also realize that if they're back in Russia, first they're spending money in the Russian economy, making it better, and then second, uh, that, that's just more cannon fodder to you know to to get conscripted into Ukraine. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on this? How you feel when you see you know Russians traveling in Bali and having a good time? 
Yeah, it's a difficult question indeed. Like in general, for example, I'm against it. They travel. On another hand, if I look into my, so I have a friend uh, from Russia. He's half Ukrainian, but he's uh, he has Russian citizenship. And I'm personally happy for him that he was able to escape because I know him, he's a good guy. So kind of pers on personal level, I'm happy for him, but on a generalized general level, of course, uh, it, the situation is not fair. And um, yeah, many of Ukrainians are against this, that they travel. But yeah, again, difficult situation. And especially when, uh, so um, when you hear stories when Ukrainian refugees, mainly women, encounter a rude, or uh, sit, uh, situations or harassments from Russians for language, for example, or any other matter, that's of course, uh, yeah, a big problem. Yeah, it's a heavy question, actually. The previous one was also extremely heavy, so we started discussing really difficult uh, topics. But um, I can comment on maybe the first question was about, you know, when you open the internet and see people partying, uh, and posting stuff on Instagram. More generally, uh, this Instagram culture is um, is dangerous. In fact, uh, I personally don't spend time on Instagram, but I know people who look uh, at Instagram posts of uh, other people and they think that everything is sort of rainbow and uh, unicorns and everything is nice. But um, so I think psychologically, even not taking into account the war, even during the pre-war times, uh, as the, the, the Instagram culture is, is a dangerous direction our society is moving uh, towards. So, because, yeah, life is not only the Instagram posts. And, and maybe during the war times, yeah, the Instagram culture might be even more heavy psychologically for some people who aspire to travel and they open this Instagram and they see fun and parties. So I think yeah, people should be careful with um, looking at uh, Instagram posts of other people. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, like Instagram is not reality. Uh, so that never judge someone's happiness. If anything, I know, at least for me, but I, I, I think this is for the majority of people, the more people post on Instagram, uh, the probably less happy they are, because uh, I know when I'm like really just genuinely enjoying the moment and I'm with you know good friends and I'm just having a, a good time. I'm not posting you know every hour every day. I'm just uh, I you know I'm waiting until I'm bored and I'm lonely and I have I'm like uh, looking through my old photos, thinking okay, what can I post to get some positive feelings uh, through comments or to make other people jealous or you know, to make it look like I'm living a cool life, even though actually I'm completely uh, lonely and bored somewhere. Yeah. And on the topic of Russian men traveling, wow, this is going to be difficult. I actually cannot imagine how we'll reconciliate because me personally, I still see the, rea I mean, I see the reality. I see even those men who are not necessarily actively supporting the war, they are passively supporting it. And so even five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, traveling somewhere in Lisbon or uh, Amsterdam and meeting the Russians uh, just in casual situations is going to be difficult. So 
I cannot imagine a future in which we will just, you know, uh, forget what they did to us. Uh, so in reality, traveling is going to be way more difficult just to, although I'm not an aggressive person, and I am not likely to, I have not been likely to get into a street fight or a fight in a bar or something like this, but I think those situations will happen uh, more and more frequently in the future because I, I cannot imagine it being otherwise. I cannot just imagine having a casual drink uh, in a bar and just overhearing Russians just saying regular things like, uh, I don't know, it's all America that, you know, uh, behind yes, all of this, yeah, yeah. Or some, some other bullshit theories yeah. that they have. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think I need to join, I don't know, a boxing club or just going to a gym regularly. <laughs> well, you know what's yeah, funny? Little... Is, uh, I was going to say, actually, I've been uh, hoping that uh, I would meet some pro-Russian, uh, pro-war Russian uh, while traveling. And I pr almost purposely, like, have been to a lot of places that where there's a lot of Russians, you know, um, you know, through, uh, throughout uh, the Balkans. Uh, Montenegro and um, I was in like Austria I was in, in the UK and then now I'm in Thailand and I'm always wearing uh, Ukrainian t-shirts you know either whether it's the flag or you know something that says you know like you know fuck Putin or something or and actually even now I have a Ukrainian flag on my balcony uh, and there's a lot of Russians who live here and part of it is I I want um Ukrainians who are traveling to understand and see that they're not alone. You know, I've had a lot of them actually come up to me and just like, you know, say, you know, like, uh, thank you for supporting Ukraine. You know, it makes me feel good that I see other, um, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, there's so many Russian people traveling and in these cities that sometimes they feel, you know, very small, uh, you know, but when they see other people, especially foreigners supporting, they it makes them feel better. But also, to be honest, I was secretly hoping that some Russian guy would come up to me and, you know, say some bullshit and start a fight. And then that way I can, you know, teach him a lesson as well. <laughs> but actually, it's never happened. I So I think, you know, these these uh, it's it's kind of like they understand that they're not in a position where they can even say anything because they'll probably get deported. and have to go back to Russia if they if they try to hit me. Yeah, exactly. Or they threaten women uh, and, as I said, the refugees weak people weaker people yeah and they don't dare to approach indeed man i don't know yeah it could be yeah. that I'm a, I'm a big guy so maybe you know they're scared they're like okay like if i get my ass kicked by a, a guy wearing a ukrainian flag t-shirt it, lo it looks makes me look uh, like a pussy you know yeah well but live alone russians uh some time ago i had like encounter with some belgian guy who's like genuinely belgian like all born, uh, lived all the life in Flemish part. And, well, he was not pro-Russian, but he has this like kind of bullshit in his head, like, oh yeah, like um, it's a pity that war started, but Ukraine provoked it, and West provoked it, provoked it, and America is earning money on it, and America is benefiting from it, like you know, all all this kind kind of bullshit. I think it's kind of marginal idea, and hopefully in the future. All of this uh, narrative will be as marginal as mm, those who uh, deny Holocaust or deny the Nazism or stuff like that. There, there, there will always be like stupid people, but 
hopefully they will not be in charge and they will not be taking the decisions. Yeah, and you know, I'm very happy at least like it's a very black and white um, you know, argument, you know, like if Russia didn't invade Ukraine, nothing else would happen, you know? Like it it doesn't matter if the US has some ways to financially benefit uh from this war in the future or you know, they, they, maybe they want Russia to be weaker or whatever it is, you know, at, at the end of the day, if Russia didn't attack Ukraine, if they didn't invade Ukraine, like none of this would happen, you know, there would be no situation to, t to take advantage of or no money to be made from the situation. So like everything that people are arguing, I just say, look, if Russia just leaves Ukraine today, they can leave anytime. They, they can just withdraw the troops and it would be over, you know, or if they never attacked in the first place, like it would also be over. Like, it never would have started. So I, I don't, I really try not to waste my time arguing with people about um, the small things because everything is in result of Russia invading in the first place. Bravo. That's a great summary. I would say. Yeah. 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 But guys, it was really uh, interesting to talk to you know three Ukrainian guys who are in Ukraine. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for having me on your podcast. It's in Ukrainian, so most people probably will not uh, find it or listen to it. But I'll have a link to it below. But it's called what, te Technica Bas. Technical base, but we have a few a few episodes in English, by by the way. Yeah. So if uh, yep, this. Uh... Go click on the link and uh, maybe you find something interesting on our podcast too. Thank you for sharing the link, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, Diaku, you for uh, coming on. And this is uh, your chance if you guys are uh, learning Ukrainsky uh, Mova, or as we say, uh, the language of the, the was it the Sparrow, uh, Slovenia Mova? Uh, this is your chance to practice. <laughs> Bro. Bye. All right, thank, thank you for inviting me. Bye, guys. Thank you, Johnny. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.